0: Have you ever stopped to wonder why we do the things that we do? What is the reason? What is the history behind the, the actions and the tendencies of what we do that can get us into some trouble? It's so important to be able to create some space, some empathy and compassion as we invite Jesus and the body of Christ into that space to find new practices, to live out healthy paths that we call recovery. Today, we're going to talk about that. Welcome to the Celebrate Recovery official podcast, a podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Beatitudes and the Celebrate Recovery principles where Jesus helps us to face our hurts, our hangups, and even our habits the broken relationships in our lives so that we can walk in healing and freedom the way Christ intended for us to walk in the newness of life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director with Celebrate Recovery. Hey, welcome back! Uh, So glad that you're with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for um, just the feedback you've been giving us. If you like what you're hearing, help support us in this space and and give us a high rating and even uh, um, just give us a review and share this so other people can hear this. They don't have to be in Celebrate Recovery. In fact, that's the dream and the hope that many people that don't even know what Celebrate Recovery is all about will hear this and maybe uh, join you on a local level uh, at your Celebrate Recovery. But so glad you're with us. I have a great brother in Christ. Um, You know him as the West Regional Director, Bob Newby. Um, He's an incredible man of God, and I consider him a friend. Glad he's joining me again here on this conversation. Uh, Bob, thanks for joining us today, man.
1: Hey, it's so good to be together, Rodney. I'm excited about connecting and talking about what we're going to talk about today.
0: Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself and we'll jump in, man. Absolutely.
1: So I am a grateful believer in Jesus. I struggle with codependency. And my name's Bob.
0: Hey, Bob. So, Bob, we're kind of that that leading question uh, which is such a, a fascinating thought to kind of get our, our brains uh, turning a little bit and our hearts stirring, you know, why, why do I do what I do? And just the importance of looking back to our childhood, uh, which can be really, really scary. Um, but, but why is it important to understand why I do the things that I do, Bob?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that question has been a question of uh, mine for a long time. Uh, I want to change. I want to be. I want to be. Um, have more serenity. I want to be uh, more confident. I want to be as what what I'll term a secure connector. Hmm. So that's my objective. That's my and and um, so this whole thing of why do I. Why do I keep doing some of the things? Why at times am I tempted to deceive others? And that's a that's a pretty ugly word. Hmm. And and yet, um, why do I want to paint a picture that doesn't make me look as bad as maybe what the truth really is? Hmm. Or um, why do I feel a need to uh, to avoid? Difficult conversations or conflict, and rather than speaking the truth in love, so that we can solve the problem and really connect. Mm -hmm. So those those are questions that I've been wrestling with, and um, I've been reading about. I'm I'm in therapy with a person that's helping me with things, and uh, I think in recovery, especially with things like codependency. that the change is slow, but the change is intentional. Hmm. It's not just a matter of living life and giving it time and somehow I'm better. That I have to engage in the hurts. I have to look at what's causing this. And inviting Jesus into those that part of my soul where I don't feel adequate or I don't feel like I'm enough. Inviting him into that to bring hmm. healing, to calm down some of those things that that I may have a, a tendency to do.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it makes me think, Bob, when you're talking, you know, it can feel a little weird to think about this, but when you're talking about that, I can't help but think about that younger part of you that first experienced that people would hurt you, that people would drop you. And trying to understand and honor that. And it, it sounds kind of weird to say that, but to honor that, that younger part of you that is experiencing pain because their their protection, the, the, the action tendencies tend to make sense if we understand the hurt in that younger self, right? It makes sense that they are responding this way. It doesn't mean it's the right thing to do or ultimately trying to change those action tendencies, but... But if I can honor that and understand that this is a hurting little boy or a hurting young man or whatever the case may be, uh, honoring that is feels like kind of that first step of leaning in to be able to organize that pain. If I'm shaming that younger self, um, mm. that doesn't get us very far, does it? That's right.
1: Yeah. Shaming <laughs> shaming is is not a good thing. It does not help. It hurts. It hurts keeps the pain going which then puts up the walls
0: Hmm.
1: you know my defensiveness and uh, that does that's not good because i won't change as long as i'm defensive Hmm. um so you know but the gospel i'm just the gospel of jesus is so significant and so powerful that um the idea that god loves me not because of anything i've done or haven't done yeah he just loves me mm. if i can bring that into my soul on a deep level um that mm. you know and and have that talk with with jesus as well as with the little the little hurt guy inside of me mm. if i can have that conversation with him um i can actually change i can actually think differently mm. and and as a as a result, I feel differently. My feelings will change and I'll be okay with, hmm. um, my brokenness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about deception and even in, as you said that it kind of hits our body in a certain way, it's like, ugh, that sounds like such a gross word to be deceiving, but it makes hmm. sense in context. Again, we're not, we're not justifying a behavior, but we're trying to understand it. Deception at its very root is to cover up um, to, uh, give a perspective or a perception of a different uh, side of me that may not exist, that may be fake or, uh, to, to maybe as a motive to get you to love me and not see that broken, uh, younger boy that you were mentioning. So deception is covering up. Just makes me think of that, that Adam and Eve picture of the fig leaves to cover up that if you see, uh, what's behind this fig leaf, you're going to be disgusted, you're going to hate me, um, you're going to leave me, um, or or I could physically just die. That's that's how real that place is. So deception and deceiving, and I love that you're talking about the gospel because it breaks all that all down, breaks down those walls, but, but it makes sense why that deception comes up um, that keeps us hidden behind that wall in there.
1: Yes, yes, and Related to deception is this idea of avoidance Mm. that if I don't pay attention, if I just avoid this situation, don't talk about it, pretend it's not there. If I do that, then uh, it'll be okay. Mm. And that avoidance way of relating to others is really prevents intimacy. Mm. It really, um, it really is. It's a very lonely sort of a way to exist because instead of working through the problem and maybe having to face things in myself that I don't like, mm. instead of that, I avoiding it, but then keeping, you know, whether I'm holding on to resentments toward a person, toward a situation, mm. instead of really working it through and giving us a chance to take ownership for each of our parts and find real reconciliation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That intimacy, it reminds me, I heard someone say this one time that intimacy is into me. You see that if you see Mm. inside of me, um, if I can be vulnerable and real and authentic, honest, genuine, and you see into me, into me, you see, That's where intimacy, connection, that relational bond with the Lord, uh, relational bond with people close to us, uh, because the authentic self is so much more attractive than anything we can try to um, pretend to become. Uh, It's a lot more attractive, isn't it? Yes. Hmm. So what were the... What curious Bob? What were some of those things that, as we're trying to kind of lean in a little bit to that, as we kind of led into that question of why do I do what I do? What were some of the things that you learned as you're in this process? I'm glad to be reminded that we're we've never arrived. We're (laughs) we're we're always learning and growing. But what are some of those things through the years that you've learned? that helped, helped you uh, to make sense of why you would go into hiding. Um, maybe some of those core beliefs, maybe some of the, the things that even happen as much, as vulnerable as you want to be with that and putting you on the spot. But what are some of the things that you're learning on your journey? A uh, guy I look up to and respect. Um, you know, what, what What's Bob learning in his life? What have you learned in this life that, thus far that has taught you the good reasons why you do what you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is talking about some of my hurts as a kid. Um, you know, it sounds like I'm blaming and it. It's not about blame. It's about understanding. Mm. Um, but I, the truth is growing up, I, I feared my dad, not in a good fear, not in a holy fear, but in a, a fear that, um, if I didn't perform, if I didn't act according to how he wanted, mm. uh, I was afraid of what he might do. And whether, and the truth is, he mainly just used his voice. He was like a chihuahua, you know, that would bark, <laughs> but not much bite. But yeah. I was, I feared the bark, you know, I, I feared that sort of a thing. Um, mm. So I felt like. Uh, I was a deceiver growing up. I'll never forget having a conversation with my dad. I was about 15 years old, and I was smoking. And um, so I had taken a pack of cigarettes, and I rolled it up in my sleeve, and I had forgotten that it was there. Hmm. And my dad came in, and he said, Bob, are you smoking? (laughs) And I looked at him, and I said, no, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and oh. So he, he was over, you know, and he just, you know, and sure enough, you know, he did raise his voice and he was angry. I lied to him. I mean, it was, but that kind of, and I would justify my, my deceit as a, well, that's just how you stay, that's how you stay safe.
0: Mm.
1: Well, that's a silly example of, you know, obvious deceit and so forth. Um, and it was based on when I look at it, a lot of it is based on fear hmm. that what's underneath that was fear of my dad's wrath, um, fear of consequences that I maybe don't want. So I carry that out. I think of Abraham in the Old Testament with his wife and, you know, him crossing the desert and saying, well, she's not my wife. She's my sister. And, <laughs> and I can identify with him saying that he was afraid that if they knew it was his wife, that they would maybe do something bad to him. And so mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's probably not, it's not unique to me, but I, I know that in my situation, it was, it was, um, it was a, a, a very primary way of relating in my family of origin Mm. which was look good look like you don't have any problems Mm. and you'll be okay Mm. but that message is so twisted and so challenging and as i get it when i was younger um the consequences of that way of living because i was younger there were many years the consequences weren't as great but as i got older the trajectory of that way of relating to others both in my my work life my family life the trajectory of that really brought some consequences that that were um, that were not good hmm. uh, so here i am now addressing it directly trying to understand it so i can take responsibility for it hmm. and and i am finding help helping i am moving toward becoming a secure connector yeah um but it, but it is a process and this work and
0: yeah that's good well i want to take a a, a quick break uh, right here uh, bob good stuff here with bob newby the West regional director Uh, Just talking about why we do what we do, understanding that, leaning into our story and uh, creating some space for that. Uh, So great conversation. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stick with us. Hey, folks, if you're looking for an online recovery meeting, we now have one globally. You can join us. On an online open share group, go to CelebrateRecovery.com. It's uh, 2 p.m. Central Time, noon Pacific. You can join us. Our goal is to start some across the country, but go and join us. Go to CelebrateRecovery.com to get the meeting ID and join us every Wednesday, noon Pacific, 2 Central. We hope you'll join us. Welcome back. Talking with Bob Newby, the West Regional Director, and just creating space—how we create space, empathy, and compassion for that—that—that that, um, that younger part of ourselves to understand why we do what we do. And right before the break, Bob, we were talking about just those consequences, and uh, it, there's a consequence to living that way of life, and it can it can have a high cost and uh, can be kind of create havoc in our life, can it?
1: I sure can yeah absolutely yeah you know um oh go ahead no go ahead bob i was going to mention there are a couple of tools that uh that are extremely helpful in bringing healing uh, in a real tangible way um mm-hmm. one of course for me is the open share group and celebrate recovery because um i feel safe in that environment and as i share I'm not worried about anyone fixing me. I'm not worried about anyone rejecting me. It's it's just open share, and, and um, I sense empathy and compassion from others as I share my struggle and my hurt, and that reinforces that part that you know the gospel that God loves me. He just cares so much about me, mm. and it's okay that I can. He's working on me. So open share for me is really a good tool. Mm. There's another tool that uh, I'm using. It's uh, it's called the comfort circle. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's in the book called How We Love. Um, and the comfort circle is a place where with you and your significant other, my case, it's my dear wife. Hmm. She, uh, either I will hold her or she will hold me. Mm. And if she's holding me, then she will ask questions like what is it that's causing you to have feelings and i'll talk about that and then she'll say well let's say i was really anxious about something she'll say was there something that happened when you were younger that where you had similar feelings and we make a link between the intensity of the emotion whether it's anxiety or anger um, or resentment was it was there anything in the childhood back then? And if so, then I'll talk about that, and then we'll make the connection. But Mm. she then just kind of, she doesn't fix me. She just affirms and encourages me. Hmm. And having her tell me that. um,
0: That's beautiful. Having
1: another person, it puts puts skin on Jesus. You know, it's like, wow, you're speaking gospel into my soul. I love Um, that.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. and it speaks to to my heart. And I, what a beautiful picture! And just knowing your wife and knowing you, what a, just makes my heart full. Just imagining you guys doing that. Mm. What a vulnerable place to be, though, right? I mean, earlier you were talking about yes. the deceit, and I think you said this—that's how I stay safe, right? So it's interesting, yeah. you know. Sometimes, you know, that protecting the the ugly, whatever. At least by definition to us, it's ugly or we wouldn't be covering it up. But by protecting that part of ourself, and sometimes we forget this, we're not just cutting off the bad, we're cutting off the good. And so that that place of trying to stay safe, while it may feel convenient because I don't have to pay attention to that pain, uh, I lose the inability to connect with those secure attachments, those safe relationships with Jesus, uh, with uh, my wife, with a brother in Christ, I lose the ability to experience what it's like to have, as you said, Jesus with skin on, right? I love that picture. Yeah. Um, sometimes we forget that we're not just cutting off the bad, we're cutting off the good. And oh, what a cost yes. th- that place is. And, yes,
1: Yes. And of course, we're talking about safe people in our lives of course people that we know are on our side but having those people my recovery group absolutely there we're all in the same boat there i know they're for me and i am for them my family yeah you know we're at the point where we we are for each other we are cheering for each other and um, so having safe people like that is just such a and then being intentional about being vulnerable with those things. It's a, uh, it's a very good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When we were talking, uh, uh, coming into this conversation, I know we were using those words, empathy and compassion. It's just interesting to I love the picture of, of these, these pain points from, you know, markers in our life of people that have hurt us and these pain points kind of knocking on the door and just that picture of, Can I invite those in knowing they won't hurt me any more than they already have, right? Sometimes the myth Mm. is if I can ignore it, it won't hurt me. It actually makes it worse, right? You know, it's like being buried alive. It's going to come out eventually. But but yeah, so they're knocking on the door. Can I invite that in? And just like, you know, I've got two grandkids. I'm imagining if my grandkids knocked Mm. on the door and said, they call me Papa, Papa, I'm hurting. I feel sad right now. Mm. The worst thing Mm. I could say is, Oh, you shouldn't feel sad. You know, go play. (laughs) Right. It's like, Oh gosh, that just makes me sick to my stomach. Even saying that, imagining my grandkids, it's like, no, we would say, Hey, come over here, buddy. What's going on? Tell me why you're sad. And that picture you were painting with your wife, you know, it's kind of that same idea. It's like when we think about taking our thoughts captive, um, we're actually inviting it in and saying, Hey, Tell me what's going on. Where's that coming from? When did you first experience that? Ah, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, kind of giving that empathy and compassion to that part of ourselves, And sometimes we don't, we forget that. We have to show that for ourselves and that part of ourselves so that we can heal in that. As you said, to understand it, if we can name it, we can explain it. And to understand that part of our story is a big part of the recovery process, isn't it?
1: Yes. You know what's beautiful is, there's no time limit for healing uh, in this. In other words, I'm doing work that I wish I would have had Mm. uh, um, uh, an upbringing where where there was that kind of nurturing and empathy and compassion. More of that, Mm. I think it would have been. I I would have become a more secure connector earlier. Mm. So while saying that, at the same time, I'm so glad that it can change at any point. At any point, I, when I made the decision to say, I'm going to bring healing here, I'm going to invite um, others to for love and acceptance to be there. When I, when I was intentional and in working on this, I'm changing. Hmm. So just because I didn't have it as a kid doesn't mean it's too late. It's like, it's never too late. The brain can change. Um, and that that's the, to me, that's the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy spirit today, you know, in that part of our lives.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, coming off of Easter, you know, the cross, we have a big focus on the cross mm. and really every, every week mm. we focus on the cross and celebrate recovery, but there's a stronger emphasis around Easter it's good to pause and re, be reminded. But I love that imagery of when we look at the cross. In fact, if you're listening and you're hurting, I just challenge you to think about this: when you look at the cross, what do you see? Hopefully, you see that your sins, your choices, your you know compulsive behavior, whatever your whatever your sin is, um, you see that on the cross. But sometimes we forget. The second part of the gospel is just as important. It's the hurt done to us that's nailed to that cross too. And that's the picture you're painting. It's the cross, the gospel. Jesus helps us um, to meet us in that pain point, to help us to organize it, to come out of deception and deceit, (laughs) and ultimately uh, meet us in that place and begin in his timing It is a process. I'm so glad you said that. It doesn't happen overnight. Just to meet us in that space and bring comfort and love, uh, to help us as we mourn, to bring comfort to that pain, to bring that ointment to our wounds, and in his time, grow us through the pain, not help us get over the pain, but to grow us through the pain. And that's a big distinction, isn't it?
1: It sure is absolutely and you know as i'm as i'm finding healing um it causes me to have a bigger heart more empathy for others who are struggling with similar things i i can identify with them i get it and i know for a long time i was blind to it i didn't see it i couldn't see hmm. but um so it's it's a wonderful thing that not only healing can happen in me, but also I then can be can have empathy and compassion for others and which is kind of starting points for healing in
0: others. Yeah. I love that you said that because it does we have been blessed to be a blessing, right? We have been comforted. Yes. It gives us an understanding so that we can then go and comfort others as God's word says. So Bob, someone's listening that's in the middle of this, and and there maybe there's some things are I see myself doing some things that are very destructive, very dysfunctional, and I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do with this. Um, kind of square one. What what's some words of encouragement that you would give them as we lean into this space of of trying to get to a point of understanding why we do what we do? What would be your encouragement to them as they enter into this process? Or maybe they're early in the process. What would you say to them, Bob?
1: Hmm, Great question. I I would say get help. Hmm. And number one, Celebrate Recovery. What a great place to get help. Um, For me, what it did was it put the focus on. I used to blame others for a lot of my life. And uh, the place of blame is powerless and hurtful. Mm. and and so coming into celebrate recovery the blame stopped i could i could look at myself work on myself and and at the same time know jesus is right there with me encouraging me he's on my side he loves me Mm. so getting that kind of help you know there's no cost to celebrate recovery just show up and you know it's a (laughs) one everyone can do that yeah. Then the other thing for me, um, um, a, a licensed therapist to help me understand some stuff in my background, it was very helpful. Um, so it was like the working the two together hmm. was uh, extremely powerful. Um, and then, of course, for me, uh, another tool is journaling. Because when I journal, when I write down what is, this is what is, this is how I feel. I then can have the ability to step back from that and to have a more objective view on the situation, and, uh, which is very helpful. I'm not all caught up in the emotion of it. I can have a more objective view of it. And uh, so then I can come back and write. Um, sometimes i've written down how i feel and then i responded by saying i think jesus would respond to that by saying this and i would write with jesus how jesus would respond to me
0: i love that' in
1: that um I, so that but the thing of getting help don't do it alone i was stuck you know i was shame i i was broken i knew i was broken and i was embarrassed that i was broken and i didn't know how to fix it it wasn't that, you know, I was willing to, but I didn't know how to fix it. So this whole idea of getting help is, um, is really essential. It was essential for me and my group.
0: I love that. Yeah, it's it it's so simple and yet can be very difficult because it, it requires coming out from just to the Adam and Eve imagery, uh, come out from behind that bush and just acknowledge yeah. where we are and just say, this is where I am. That's principle one, just acknowledging that, that we're powerless, right? That we, our life yes. is unmanageable and I can't do this on my own. One of the sweetest prayers we can pray is Lord uh, help me. And that that's uh, some good stuff there, Bob. Bob, thanks so much for your heart. Thanks for the wisdom. I love just, uh, we've known each other for many years and I love just hearing, um, and I've heard this often in our conversations, just hearing what God is teaching you as he mm. grows you through in your own season. And and uh, I may have to try that. Uh, Would you call it, the comfort circle? I may have to try mm. that with my yeah. wife. I love that picture, just creating space. And I think it might help me to be forced to be more intentional to be. Uh, present and leaning into what's going on for her, so that's something I'm taking away personally. So thanks for that, man. So love Absolutely. you, brother. Thanks so much for your heart, man.
1: Love you too. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah, Bob's a great, great man, and and grateful to have him on our team. The national level, the West Regional Director of Celebrate Recovery. Hey. I hope that this has been a blessing for you. I know it's been for me. I've taken some good nuggets uh, and good conversation with my brother, and I hope it's ministered to your heart. If you're struggling and and you're wondering, maybe it's time, maybe I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Hey, that's a good place to be because it means that God's about to do something incredibly powerful in your life but we can't do it alone. If you'd like to join us on this road, you'd like to find a group near you, just go to celebraterecovery.com forward slash CR groups and find a group near you. Hey, thanks for being with us. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.